I think this is the last week I'm going to talk about Holy Spirit gifts for, for a little while, and there's, there's probably a month or more more that we could talk about, but I just don't have inspiration at this point. I feel like it's, it's time for us to move. So um, I want to encourage you. I, I want you to always come to church. Please always, always, always come to church. It's important that we get together in fellowship and worship together. Next week, we're going to have like a one-week message, and then the following week, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about uh, wisdom, divine wisdom, um, natural wisdom. We're going to talk about the armor of God. And it's going to be so important that you're here. I won't ask anybody to raise their hands, but I, I promise you everybody, to some extent or another, struggles with identity issues and feelings of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless or I'm not worthless or I'm happy or I'm sad or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's literally spiritual warfare. And the Bible teaches us how to deal with it. And if we, if we knit all those scriptures together and we can see it becomes so obvious, the devices of the enemy and his plans and the way that he tries to, to mess with us so that he can hinder God's will on this earth. So I'm just telling you, Please, please, please come and hear these messages because they're going to be super important for you to be able to live the abundant life, but they're also going to be important for you to minister to one another and other people that are struggling because Jesus said, if you, I'm not going to quote this perfectly, if you keep my words, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So, it's truth that we require. It's the, 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 the awareness, the acknowledgement, the knowing, and the walking out of truth. You know, devil says, you're no good because your parents didn't want you. That's why you were an orphan, right? You have to say, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It's, it's the process of applying the truth to the lie. The lie is so subtle. He's, he's only got deceptive. Man, I'm preaching that sermon now. Stop. Anyway. I hear you. <laughs> the point is, we got to have this. We absolutely got to have it. I can tell you from personal experience how the Lord has delivered me out of torment and, and bad things like bad thoughts in my mind to this place where it's almost laughable. If the devil tries to get into my head, it's all, now, now sometimes my flesh wants to agree with him. I won't say that I never have to actually work, but the stuff that I used to not be able to get out of my mind, it's like, it's like taking a little teeny feather and putting it on your hand and going... And just go away. Just shut up. Because I know the truth and I apply the truth. So anyway, that's just a little advertisement. It's so important for us. If we're going to look like the light of the world, if we're going to be the light of the world, somebody's got to look at us and say, dang, that looks pretty good, right? Well, that guy's got Jesus and he's miserable all the time. That is not the abundant life. Not that there won't be challenges, but the, the, the word, the truth is the answer to that. And we have to embrace it. So anyway, that's it. I'm not giving you any more. That was for free today. Quick little um, review from last week. So last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we tried to talk to, to them in, as, as a context for the gifts as opposed to this gift, this gift, this gift, this gift, this gift. What does that mean? How does it look? How does it operate? It was more a context. And just a few things that we talked about is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we should consider them as tools. God gives us these tools for a purpose, right? The purpose is... Or, or some of the purposes would be for the building up and the edifying of the body, right? We are the body. Every single person that has sincerely confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior in their heart 
is part of the body of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God inside of them. And the spiritual gifts are to help us to edify and encourage and build up one another. The spiritual gifts are for the advancement and the forwarding and the movement of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of the prince of the power of the air, of the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Um, and maybe the last point that I'll touch on is we have to be very careful because in our world, um, we equate more with better, right? So if I have lots and lots of gifts of the Holy Spirit and you haven't really manifested any gifts of the Holy Spirit, God must like me better than he likes you. God must be seeing my deep spirituality, but yours really is pretty bad, right? There are no superstars in the kingdom of heaven. There, there are no people exalted by themselves. It's totally opposite to God's whole economy. He says, if any of you, they're like arguing with each other. You know, oh, I think I'm greater than you. Oh, no, no, I'm greater than you. And, and Jesus actually could, knew what they were thinking because he had a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And a couple of them, they want to be the best so bad, they go get their mom, right? James and John. And their mom's like, hey, Jesus, I mean, totally whacked out. She doesn't understand his kingdom at all. But when you get up on that throne, could, could little Jimmy and little Johnny sit on either side of you in your kingdom? And he's like, whoa, you know? No, because the only exaltation that comes in the kingdom is humility, right? So, so if you have aspirations to greatness in the kingdom, which is excellent, you should have aspirations. You should ask, have aspirations to heal every sick person you come across, to deliver every tormented person that you see, to radiate the glory of Jesus every second that you're on this earth. The way you do it is you clean the toilet. The way you do it is you wash feet. The way you do it is you humble yourself. The way you do it is you be like Jesus because he will transform you to be like Jesus. Okay? So there's no superstars. If one person gives a word every single week from heaven, it's only because that's who God picked every single week. It has nothing to do with anything more than Holy Spirit chooses how he's going to distribute. But he does say we should desire... So there must be some function of, 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 of desiring and wanting that releases, okay? All right, so they're tools for a purpose. They're for the edification, the strengthening, the encouraging of the body, the expansion of the kingdom, and there's no superstars in the kingdom. Only Jesus. Okay, now, one of the ploys that the devil uses in the church is to get them to think, well, you know, certain people are just anointed people of God, Right? Or they'll read a story in the Gospels and they'll see Jesus healing everyone that was sick. And they'll say to themselves, well, you know, he was Jesus. Or, well, you know, he's the evangelist. Or he's Reinhard Bonnke. Of course he does it. The answer is no. It's not because he was Jesus that he did all the things you read about in the Gospels. It's because he was a man surrendered to God, full of the Holy Spirit. You and I, men, ladies... As best as we are, to whatever point in our walk we are, surrender to God, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, greater things than these you will do. If you doubt that Jesus was operating as God versus operating as a man full of the Holy Spirit, I'll take you to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. This is some of my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Have, have this attitude. So Paul is speaking to the church. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Jesus never stopped to be God, but he emptied himself in the sense that he didn't access his divine nature 
during his walk on earth. And it's very important that he did that because it was a man that gave away authority over this planet to Satan, Adam. And it was a man that had to get it back, who had to satisfy the law. Jesus did that as a man, full of the Holy Spirit. Everything you read that he did is available to us. Jesus himself said, greater works than these you shall do. He said, if you don't believe the words that I say, then believe the works that I do. And by the way, greater works than these you will do. You will do. You will do. Because I go and the helper will come. Helper is the Holy Spirit. Check my pocket. You want me to talk about the school? Okay. <laughs> I actually have a piece of paper. It says right here. All right. Well, here's a little, a little advertisement, a little commercial advertisement. It looks as though we're going to have a school of supernatural ministry at Church on the Street. We had uh, John's grandma and grandpa came here, the oldest ever graduates from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, 80 years old or 80 and something years old. On their airplane ride home, separately, the Lord spoke to both of them and said, I want you to start a school at Church on the Street. Yeah, yeah. So I'm praying that all of this is stirring up hunger inside of you because we're literally going to have a school here. I mean, a a literal school of supernatural ministry here. They're going to move from California and live here for like 10 or 12 months to help to make sure that all of this happens exactly the way they've seen it from the Lord. So... Now back to our regular programming. <laughs> so what I thought today was I would give you a big picture of what the, the gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians and Romans are, touch on some of them, and, and to be quite honest with you, I, I tried to classify them a little bit, like this is kind of what a word of wisdom would look like, this might be a word of knowledge, this looks like prophecy, but it's really hard to look in the Bible, for me anyway, and to say, okay, that's what that is, that's what that is, because they, they tend to overlap each other quite a bit. So I wouldn't get too hung up on worrying about, oh my gosh, am I having a word of knowledge or is this a prophecy? Because, you know, I want to do it right. It doesn't matter. You just got to let it out, and it'll be whatever God wanted it to be. Whether you labeled it properly or not, it doesn't really matter at all. Okay. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. That's the 1 Corinthians 12 kind of list If you then flip over to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, you see some more. Since we have have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So if you were to just take all those and kind of list them, you would see, and, and kind, of, kind of just let this be in the back of your mind as you hear some of these stories and some of these scriptures that are going to come a little further down. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. These are actual gifts. These are anointings that come from the Holy Spirit for the church. Okay, let's look at some as we see them in Scripture. Acts chapter 6, verses... Just so you know, in a few of these places, there's a big, long course of Scripture. 
and I've kind of chopped some pieces out of the middle, and it'll read kind of like a sentence or a paragraph, but there's little chunks missing. But the, the other stuff just going to cause us to take more time. So this would be Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, 12, and 15. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. And they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. And fixing their, oh, I love this, and fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. So Stephen is out doing all these amazing works of God. And, and these, these people are coming against him. But, but God has given him this gift of wisdom. And every objection, he's got every objection, every time he's speaking out. And if you were to continue to read these scriptures, you'd see where basically they haul him in front of the, the big shots of the faith and he preaches this sermon and just basically knocks him on the floor with the words that God gives him to speak in that moment. My guess is probably that would be a gift of wisdom that he got in that point. I'm not going to read these scriptures, but here's some examples of Jesus and, or, or miracles in the scriptures, all in the Gospels. Jesus is in a boat, right? And this massive storm, and the boat's getting tossed all over the place, and all the disciples are in there crying, and they're afraid they're going to die. And, and Jesus is in the back having a nap, right? Because the storm doesn't bother him because he has perfect peace. And they wake him up, Master, oh, don't you know we're going to die? And he's like, oh, guys. And he just looks out to the sea, and he says, peace, be still. The wind stops, the waves get calm. It's a miracle, right? He spoke to nature. Why? Because all authority had been given to him. In nature, in the spirit, in the heavens, on the earth. When Jesus spoke to the nature, it had to respond. That's why he spoke to somebody who was sick. And it says, I think it was Peter's mom. And it says, Jesus rebuked the fever. Oh, fever, out you go. She was well. He spoke right to it because he had authority. Guess what? His authority is our, well, it's his authority. But he's, he's commissioned us to operate in his authority. They're walking down their way, I think, into Jerusalem one day. And it's like, you know, right now you could pick apples off a tree. But in, in June, you don't pick any apples off a tree, right? So he walks by a fig tree, and it's like June for fig trees. He's like, there's no fruit on you. And they're like, well, it's not fruit season. He's like, I curse you to never have any fruit. And they keep on walking, do what they do. They're walking back, and there's this dead, shriveled up fig tree laying there. Why? Because Jesus cursed it. It was a miracle. He killed the fig tree with his words. Um... This cute little girl named Mary is uh, doing whatever she's doing, and an angel comes to visit her and says, you're going to have a child. And she says, well, wow, that's pretty cool, but I've never known a man. Never known a man, right? I, I can't have a child because I've never had that kind of relationship with a man. He says, it's okay. We got that covered. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. See, when a woman has a baby and hasn't known a man, it's a miracle, right? It's, it's literally the Holy Spirit comes upon and causes this to happen. It's miraculous. Just like we're praying for some people right now whose wombs are closed. You see it all through the Bible where wombs get opened up, right? I mean, that's one Holy Spirit seems to like to do. It will be a miracle when the womb opens up. Okay, Matthew 16. I saw somebody laughing. I didn't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> Sometimes my mouth gets a little in front of my brain. Okay, so Matthew 16, 15 through 17. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So I don't know if that was knowledge or wisdom that he got, but literally his answer could have been, you know, some say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're Elijah, right? Those are, that's natural wisdom. That's their own thoughts. Hmm, I wonder who he might be. But the answer that Peter gave came straight from heaven. It was a spiritual gift. Okay. You're familiar with the story of the woman at the well, right? John four sixteen through 19. And this is going to be another one that's kind of read like a story. He said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one who you, whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. So Jesus... Right? It's not like you know, he read ahead in the book before he came down out of heaven. Jesus is sitting there with this woman, and he's hearing what the Father's saying. And he's getting ready to do what he sees the Father doing, and he gets a word of knowledge about this particular woman. Now, it's so cool. The Holy Spirit gift came not just so that she would perceive him as a prophet. If, if you continue to read in chapter 4, you start to see the fruit of the spiritual gift. So now we move to 28 um, through 30, and then we'll read 39. Through 42. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, "It is no longer because of what you said that we. What, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world." So it starts out with a word of knowledge to a single woman at a well. She goes back and says, "Hey, I just met this guy who knew the secrets of my life. You need to come see him." That creates a platform. They come out to see him. They hear what he has to say. They're so enamored. They say, stay longer. We want to hear more from you. And then they come and they say, you know what? Now we don't have to believe because of what you said. He has shown us that he is the one. See, when we operate in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see a, a video uh, story by a guy named John Wimber. He calls it power evangelism where you go out and the Spirit of God flows through you into a person's world, it gives you now a platform to speak. If I walk up to Keith and I say, you're a dirty sinner and you're going to go to hell if you don't repent, he's going to turn and go as fast as he can the other way. But if I walk up to him and say, Keith, tell me about your wife. Uh, I don't have a wife. You're right. And the five before weren't your wife either. Keith's going to say, okay, maybe you got something to say, right? You notice how I adapted that gender-wise, huh? That might have been a gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Keith actually does have a wife, and she's wonderful. But my, And she's the only one, that's right. And she is your wife. That'll teach you to sit in the front, right? Next week, everybody will be like piled in the back wall. It's not that far. I can get you anyway. The point is, it was the gift that gave him the platform that brought all those people to faith. All right. Acts 14, verses 8 through 10. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed, now this is Paul, when he had fixed his eyes on him and seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leapt up and began to walk. 
So I'm not exactly sure what all the gifts were, but, but Paul could literally see faith. So God gave him some kind of eyes to see, and, and, the, and that there was faith present, and the guy gets healed who'd been lame his entire life. The fruit was the guy's healing. Now, probably the fruit was much bigger than that because other people are going to say, hey, what are you doing walking? You're the lame guy, right? He's like, no, no, you know what? Jesus heals me. God gets glory. The kingdom gets expanded. All because of a gift. You didn't know every day can be Christmas. Come on. Acts chapter 21, verses 10 and 11. As we were staying there for some days, a prophet... Now this is... I can't remember where he's at. If he's at Corinth or he's at Antioch or someplace. And he's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem. And, and if, you, if you read the book of Acts at the end, you see Paul, he goes and he gets arrested and you know, he, he ends up imprisoned and all this kind of stuff happens. So he's just about to go there. And they're not real, real thrilled about Paul going back to Jerusalem. They're concerned for him. So that's kind of the story. As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his, Paul's own feet and hands, and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the arms of the Gentiles. So literally, I don't know if that was a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, but the Holy Spirit spoke through this guy, this prophet, whose name was Agabus, and he told the future, which is literally what happened. Paul was bound up. He was taken and given over to the Romans, to the Gentiles, which started this process that ultimately landed him in Rome. Acts 16, 16 through 18. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters such profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are, who are proclaiming the way to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed, and he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. Now, that little incident led to some grief for Paul. But here's this person filled with a spirit. And, and the proclamation of the Spirit is, these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. But it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a demonic spirit. And Paul, maybe the gift of discerning of spirits, was able to recognize the words are good, but the Spirit is wrong. Get out of her. Right? He would never command the Holy Spirit out of someone. Get out of her. Out goes the Spirit. And at the very least, Paul didn't have to be annoyed anymore. Uh, Mark chapter 2 and verse 8, immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? He got a word of knowledge. The Lord, the, the Lord through the Holy Spirit spoke to Jesus and said, this is what's going on in their minds. This is what's in their hearts so that he could then address that whole thing. Let me tell you some stories. It's funny, I was like, I, I got to quit confessing Matter of fact, I'm not going to confess it now. I've never been that aware of the Holy Spirit using me for like words of knowledge and things. You know, I'm aware of other people using it. And I started thinking yesterday about, man, I just know that I've got to have some stories. And I have some stories. So I'm going to share you some of my real life experiences of these things happening. Gosh, I don't know how many years ago this was. Maybe eight, ten, maybe ten years ago. We were on a cruise ship at a conference. 
And we, they just had a service in this huge, I don't even know, auditorium thing they had in the boat. And at the end of the service, just like we're going to do today, whoever was speaking was getting words of knowledge from the Lord. And like he called out one thing, somebody out there has a short leg. And honestly, there's a guy there who had one shoe with a sole this thick. And, and he's like, that's me. He said, God's going to heal you today. And, and they sat him on the floor and they prayed and literally they watched his leg go like that. That's actually not the story, but it just came to my mind. Word of knowledge. But he called out like uh, acid reflux, heartburn. I had, I'm telling you, I had a heartburn like it would kill an elephant. Every night I would wake up in the middle of the night, I'd take these little pills, these 12-hour heartburn pills, just so I could sleep. I had heartburn so bad. And I'm like, I'm claiming that thing. Meeting ended maybe 10.30. You know, we went back to the room, put our stuff down. We went to the all-night pizza joint. I am telling you, I ate a large triple pepperoni pizza. It's like you talk about exercising your faith. I did it. That would have killed me. I, I'm, I mean, it would have just absolutely, I would have been breathing fire all night long. No heartburn. Praise God. Year and a half or two years, no heartburn. Then the devil starts to come after me. This is not a good testimony part, but it's truth. And, and I start to have heartburn. A little bit. And I'm like, no, I got delivered from that. I don't know, devil, are you trying to lie to me? I rebuke your lies. Heartburn would go. Heartburn would go. Heartburn would go. I could chase it off just by recounting what God did. And gradually, instead of battling for it, I started taking the Rolaids. And, and kind of lost that healing that God had given me. But the point is, somebody had a word of knowledge. It stirred me inside. I claimed it for myself and literally went to the place where I could eat anything, anytime, and I never had heartburn. That's one. That's me actually receiving from the word of knowledge. We were at the Freedom Center. When, when we were there, now, you know, Freedom Center is big, right? Their, their stage might be as long as our whole building is long. So there's lots and lots of people in a prayer line, like people are coming up to get prayed for, and I'm one of the people that's going to do the praying, right? And from the very back, I see this woman get up, and I just knew she's coming to me. I knew she was coming to me. She's way in the back, you know, kind of got to work her way up because there's lots of people. And a friend of mine was sitting right in the front row, and I called him up, and he came up to me, and I whispered in his ear. I said, I'm going to start praying for a lady, and she's going to fall out. Will you stand behind her because I don't want her to hurt herself? I'd never seen anybody slain in the spirit at the Freedom Center. Not one time, right? I didn't know the lady. She came up, walked right up to me, just like I knew, and I don't remember what I prayed, but I prayed for a couple of seconds and she just fell like a rock right on the floor. And the guy caught her and set her down nice and soft. Word of knowledge. The Lord told me, she's coming to you. I mean, and I, I don't want you to think like I got these great ears. It's just like, I think that lady's coming to me and she's going to fall down. I mean, it's just like, it was like a thought, right? It happened. Oh, another fun prayer line story. Teresa and I are in Toronto and we had gone to some training that allowed us to be part of the ministry team, Right? And it was a pastors and leaders conference. Now, we weren't pastors or anything at that time. We came for a school that was earlier in the week. And if you were there for the school, you got to stay for the conference meeting. And if you wanted the training, you could be part of the ministry team. We love praying for people, right? Because we were a husband and wife, we could minister to men and women. Otherwise, you know, Teresa would only be allowed to minister to women, and I would only be allowed to minister to men. So there's all these pastors and their wives at this thing come from all over the world. You want to talk about a worn-out bunch of people. I mean, you must be a really nice church because I am not a worn out guy. But these people were, they were just used up. I mean, just. Oh. So anyway, we're working our way down the prayer line praying for people. When we get to this couple and I pray for the husband, he's a pastor. It's nice, whatever. I don't know if anything happened. And now it's Teresa's turn and she's praying for the, the wife. And this wife has got the pruniest, just like, just an angry kind of uh, look on her face. 
And I keep hearing in my mind, tell her to smile, tell her to smile, tell her to smile. And I'm like, tell her to smile. I'm thinking, you know, I'm having a daydream or something. But it wouldn't quit. So finally, I, I lean over and I whisper to Teresa, tell her to smile. She looks at me. She looks at the lady. She says, smile. As soon as her lips just, just broke into a tiniest little smile, she fell down. It's like a rock. Now, I don't know what the Lord did, but he needed her in a different state of mind, maybe. What? I don't know. Tell her to smile. You know what's funny is? She's like, oh, I'm so mad. I said, why? She said, because I kept hearing the Lord say, tell her to smile, tell her to smile, tell her to smile. But I didn't think it was God. <laughs> here's, here's kind of two working together. Maybe faith and word of knowledge. I don't know. When we went to India. Now, most of you heard this story. Before we went to India, a lady from church said she had a dream and she saw me raising someone from the dead when we were in India. I'm like, whoa, okay, that would be cool. But we never actually saw any dead people, so we didn't you know, get the opportunity to try to raise somebody from the dead. We did raise a guy out of a wheelchair, though. That was really cool. But that's not this story. So the last of the, not the Crusades, but the, the pastor's conference, the last session of the pastor's conference, uh, we got to lead it, and we got people praying in tongues, and the Holy Spirit just came, and it's just like a bomb dropped in this place. And this Indian pastor comes up to me, and he's probably in his maybe mid-60s, and he's wanting me to pray for him, but I got no idea what he wants. I can't speak his language, and so I get the attention of the translator. He comes over, and he says, oh, his arm is dead. It's dead. It's paralyzed. It's, like, it's just like a, just a floppy noodle hanging off the side of his body. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I got a prophecy for that. I mean, he's not an all-the-way dead guy, but he's got a dead part, Right? So I didn't even pray for it. I said, in the name of Jesus, you'll be resurrected in Jesus' name. You come to life in Jesus' name. And I'm like, move your arm. And he's like, and it was just still dead. So we prayed again and again. And it's like after the third time, I'm like, move your arm. And it went like this. And the guy's eyeballs got like saucers. He's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, whoa, my eyeballs got like saucers. Oh my gosh. I say, be resurrected all the way. Nobody comes half to life. You know, you get, I'm probably embellishing a little bit now, but... That's better when I hear it myself. Sorry. But the the gist of the story is after just a few minutes, this guy with a paralyzed dead arm is waving his arm over his head. Waving his arm over his head. What happened? I might have been intimidated. I mean, I've seen some great miracles, but I might not have had tremendous faith for a dead arm. Except God gave Nanette a dream, and then he gave me faith because of the dream. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, this was a simple one. I mean, you probably, all of you have maybe had this experience. I can't tell you how many times someone will ask me a question about the Bible. And we'll sit down. And as I'm, as I'm reading it, I'm literally, I'm getting revelation. It's like I know stuff I didn't know before. I've never been taught this. I've never commentated. It's just like, and it's so apparent to me that this is what the scripture is saying i think it's a word of wisdom or you know that the lord is literally speaking in that moment what the application of that scripture is that i never understood before there's some that i wish you would ask me a question about because i still cannot figure them out maybe that would be the answer we're in minnesota we're at a a conference we're literally being taught you know the the biblical healing you know kind of i don't i don't want to say practices but you know it's a key it's a way to learn gain confidence for healing so the guy is teaching on words of knowledge right and and he teaches from the perspective that 
you might hear something, but you might very well feel something. If, if anybody knows Tony Brown from the Freedom Center, it's like his elbow hurts. He's running around looking for somebody who's got a bad elbow so that he can pray for him so his elbow will stop hurting. That God will allow things to manifest in your body as a sign as to what he's going to do, right? Then he had people come up, you know, just try it out. Are you feeling you hearing anything? And, you know, they, they got to practice a little bit. And that session ended. We had a break. We come back. The next session starts, I got this crazy ringing in my ears. I'm going crazy. It's like, oh, it's going to make me nuts. I can't pay attention to the guy. And the guy sitting in front of me, he's looking at me. He's like, what's the matter? I'm like, oh, I got this. My ears are ringing like crazy. It's driving me nuts. I I just heard the teaching. I didn't pick up. It was a word of knowledge. He says, well, maybe you're getting a word of knowledge. I said, huh, maybe. He says, my wife is deaf in her right ear, stone deaf in her right ear. I'm like, whoa. I didn't want to be like disruptive. So I said, when the session is done, I'll pray for her. Session ended, laid my hands on her, commanded that ear open in Jesus' name, bam, her hearing, 100% restored. She was in a car accident. You know, your ear works from little bones that jiggle around in there, right? The bones were completely separated from the, the, the trauma of the accident. Her hearing was completely restored. All the while this is going on, there's a woman sitting behind me. We're in a Lutheran church, no less. We're not talking about some crazy Pentecostal place. We're in a Lutheran church. <laughs> Sitting about three rows behind us is the senior associate's pastor. We're in Minnesota, right? They look like Sven from, from Norway. I mean, the blondest, blondest, whitest skinned people you ever saw. She sees what's happening. She comes down, taps on my shoulder. Did that lady just get her ears healed? Yes. My son is congenitally deaf in his left ear. Could we pray for him? Yeah. Now, this kid, he was born with no connection between his ears and his brain. There was literally zero connection. Stone deaf, not possible to hear. Put the hands on there in the name of Jesus, whatever. You know, cover this one, click, click, click. Do you hear anything? No. Pray some more. No. Pray some more. No. Pray some more. He goes, little bit. Pray some more. Little bit more. Pray some more. Little bit more. Got to the point where he couldn't hear as good in this one as he could in this one, but he could hear in this one. And they went home, and their family did everything they could to, you know, to blind this ear and to. Make sounds and then make sounds, same sound. They figured 20 to 25% of his good ear he had in this ear that was stone deaf before. My ears were ringing. It was a word of knowledge that God was wanting to heal deafness. Good thing for the guy in front of me because I'd have missed it completely. Okay, I'll just share one more with you. Now, this one is fun, right? I've told you about John Wimber. John Wimber is the founder of this church, I don't know what you call him, denomination called the Vineyard. Vineyard was very famous for their music. A lot of songs you'd recognize kind of came up out of the, out of the Vineyard Church. Um, John Wimber himself, very anointed man of God. He's sharing in this video, it's old, John Wimber is with the Lord now, but he's sharing a, a particular word of knowledge he got on an airplane one time. So, Caitlin, can you play it? Make sure that the sound thing is plugged in. This teaching, this is one of 12. It's like an hour long. This whole, I don't know if it was a conference or what it was, but I mean, if you go to YouTube and type John Wimber, um, you know, power evangelism or gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's some amazing teaching that you can see from John Wimber. And here's just an example of he's on an airplane. He literally looks across the aisle. He's got four or five stories, not, not in this particular one, but similar things where the Lord literally would write words like across a person's forehead. And that's how John Wimber would get a word of knowledge is he could literally see a banner on the person. And this poor guy, well, you know, praise God, you know, God was in his mercy was trying to help the, the man across the aisle. But could you imagine being on an airplane? He was sitting next to his wife, right? And have some guy you don't know 
call out your mistress's name. In reality, it was a good day, but he probably didn't think so right at that moment. Okay, that's the end of the stories. Let's just talk a little bit about um, keys and, and uh, how it is that we operate this way. I'll just read you a few scriptures and then we'll move on. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then in 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So there's some, there's some function of desire that's important to the operation of spiritual gifts, or Paul wouldn't, he'd just say, just, you know, hold on, here they come, that, that there's this asking, this seeking, this knocking. All through the gospel, you see Jesus teaching this way, the prayer um, parables where he talks about persistence. There's a desire that we have to have. We have to want what God has for us in order to have it start to flow with us. Desire earnestly. Um, I call this guy the persistent bread guy. If you know the story of uh, he has a guest come to visit him at his house. It's, it's one of the prayer parables in the Gospels. And he doesn't have anything to offer him, so he goes over to his neighbor's house. And this is Jesus kind of summarizing how the guy got the bread. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up, this is the neighbor, and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he's teaching us. The gift is the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching us that this guy got the bread, not because he was his neighbor, not because they were friends, because he wouldn't stop knocking on the door till the guy got up and gave him bread. Lord, my friend is sick. And I am standing at your door and knocking until you give me the anointing to deliver him from that sickness. Be healed in Jesus' name. Are you healed? Not yet. Lord, my friend is sick and I am not going to stand away from your door until you give me. That's the way I think he's trying to teach us about how we draw these things down from heaven. Luke 12, 31 and 32. But seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. It's in us, in the Holy Spirit. And God is glad to give us the kingdom, but we have to receive the kingdom on his terms. It's not that he's trying to withhold and look at us floundering around trying to be a good church. It's that he gladly gives us the kingdom through the person of the Holy Spirit, as we ask, seek, and knock, and earnestly desire for those gifts. Okay, one other key. This is like the, the less happy key. There are parables that speak to stewardship, right? God has given us gifts. He, he wants us to use those gifts. Bill Johnson says that the church is full of unbelieving believers, that the Holy Spirit is trapped inside of unbelieving believers. He's inside, but I don't believe enough to actually pray for somebody to be healed. I don't believe enough to trust the word of knowledge that I'm hearing to encourage Devo, for example. So he's stuck inside because I won't let him out. There's a river of living water that's coming from heaven. It's supposed to flow out of my innermost places, and it's like backed up because it can't get out. 
We have to be good stewards. So the, the, there's a parable of the talents and there's a parable of the minas. And, and there's three different people in these, in these parables. And, and two of them have taken what the, the master has given them and invested well and returned to him more than what he gave. And the third just hid it because he was afraid. And then the master came and rebuked that person because he didn't do with his gift anything at all. He just buried it in the ground. So... To the first two, the response of the master was, well done, good and faithful slave. It goes on and it offers them greater opportunities. But to the one who did nothing, he was called wicked and lazy. You wicked, lazy slave, throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I think the keys are that God has given us all a gift. If you think you don't have a gift, you're wrong. He's given you a gift. You may not always understand it. You may not always flow in it, but you need to seek him so that you will, because you all, we all have a gift. They're to be earnestly desired and sought after persistently. That's the way the scripture teaches, persistently seeking after these gifts, and they're to be used. First Peter 4.10 almost summarizes that perfectly. It says, as each one has received a special gift, each one being each one, has received a special gift, employ it, use it. In serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God has given you grace. It's a gift. Use it. Steward it well. It's not in there, hidden, so that you can say to God someday, okay, you know, here's the grace you gave me. I I didn't lose any of your grace. He's like, I want you to lose all my grace. I wanted you to just let my grace go over every person that you see. This morning, I'm here early on Sunday mornings, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because I, I'm not exactly sure how this fits, but it was just too wow to not share it. I'm sitting in a chair right over there, actually the chair you're in, um, and I'm praying. And I, I got this song playing, one song, round and round. It's a song of, um, of a person crying out to God to say, use me like a canvas, paint me the color you want me to be, use me like a wad of clay and shape me and mold me into the person that you want me to be. That's a song that I'm kind of praying into. And this, all of a sudden, the scripture pops into my mind, this thought, like maybe like people aren't going to believe that, you know, that they could really operate in the gift. I don't remember exactly. So I think of a scripture. I open up my little electronic Bible and I type in these two words for this scripture. And as the search thing pops up on the screen, my cell phone goes beep, 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 beep. So I put my Bible iPad down, I pick up the cell phone, I open it up, and it's a text message. And somebody is texting me a scripture, and it's, but it's in the message Bible, which is, you know, different words. And I'm reading the thing, and I'm like, man, that sounds a lot like... I push it up, and it says Matthew 19.26. And I go get my iPad, the very first scripture that had just popped up on my search... It was Matthew 19.26. Now, that may seem like an interesting coincidence to you, but I think God's trying to tell us something in Matthew 19.26. And that scripture reads this way. It, it, the, the, the disciples are saying to Jesus, man, is it possible? Can anybody get saved? And Jesus says, and looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. And the second scripture that I was searching for was this one, Mark 23.24. And Jesus said to him, if you can, see the guy's like, oh, you know, Jesus, if you can deal, help my son, I think he's demon-possessed. He, Jesus says, if you can, with a question mark, all things are possible to him who believes. 
Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. So if you have a situation in your mind right now that looks at all like unbelief, then you just do what this guy does. All things are possible for him who believes. Father, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Father, it's hard for me to imagine prophecy flowing through me. Help me with my unbelief. I crucify unbelief in the name of Jesus in this room right now. The spirit of doubt and unbelief, I bind you in Jesus' name. The word says, whatsoever has shall, that we shall bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. That spirit is bound in heaven. It has no opportunity to speak in heaven. I bind it in its, in its voice in this place right now and loose the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit who gives gifts to Jesus' church in Jesus' mighty name. What I want to do is invite the Holy Spirit to come and to minister. And the, the way that he's likely to minister will be through you. So I bind the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. That spirit has no realm in heaven. Whatsoever we bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. I bind you, spirit of fear. You have no, you're bound in heaven, you're bound in here. There's be no spirit of fear in this room right now. I bind you in Jesus' name. I command you silent. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to come. That you would help us to learn and to use us as vessels of your ministry. Reflecting back to you your awesome glory, Lord.